0: folks. Um, as Julie said, um, I want to speak about forgiveness this morning. One word, big subject. Um, and straight away, I just want to say that, you know, I'm going to talk about forgiveness, but I'm by no means saying it's easy. I'm certainly not saying I've got it all covered. I'm all sorted on forgiveness. I'm never going to struggle with it or anything like that. I just want to share a few thoughts uh, together really, uh, that I see in God's word. And, uh, from God, really, God's heart of forgiveness. Two things about forgiveness. God's forgiveness for us, and then our forgiveness for other people. Those are the two things I want to look at, really. And first of all, I would say that forgiveness starts with God. Forgiveness comes from Him. It's all from Him and all about Him and His heart, His heart of love and forgiveness. When we're first, when we're saved, when we become Christians... We come to God, don't we, in our state of sinfulness and need. Um, And the thing that God does for us in saving us is he forgives us our sins. And that allows us to enter into a relationship with him and to live our lives uh, in relationship with God. So I believe forgiveness is what it's all about. But that forgiveness doesn't come cheaply. And there was a very high price paid for our forgiveness. God is a holy God. And as we were singing the worship songs there, that song, we bow down and confess, you are Lord. And as I was singing that song, it just reminded me about our God and how our God is a holy God. He is Lord. Um, And because of that, because God is holy and he can't have anything to do with sin... He couldn't just say, you know, okay, you people, you've sinned. Ian Berry, you've sinned. I want to be in relationship with you, so let's just forget about it. It doesn't matter. I'll turn a blind eye. God couldn't do that, of course. Something had to happen. And that thing we all know is Jesus and the life of Jesus. All history points to the life of Jesus. Our history It's kind of based on it, if you will. You know, we talk about B.C., so many years B.C. and then A.D. History is focused on the life of Jesus. The life of Jesus is the most important life that's ever been lived. Forget Alexander Fleming discovering uh, penicillin, important as that was. Steve Jobs with the iPhone, forget all that. The singular most important life that has ever been lived is the life of Jesus Christ. And his death and resurrection are the most important events that have ever happened, ever. Because the significance of them are massive. I want to read from um, Matthew chapter 27. Um, Got all these bits of paper. Just a little bit about when Jesus died. It says, From the sixth hour... Until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And a little bit later on, And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook And the rocks split, the tombs broke open, and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. This was a wow—a massive, massive event. And we all know the fact that the curtain was torn from top to bottom. This showed that um, the way had been, the way had been opened for us to be in relationship with God. Forgiveness had been achieved for us. But what a what a lot what a thing that Jesus went through to 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 achieve that, I can't imagine the pain the suffering that he went through on the cross, the agony for hours and hours. But of course, it wasn't just the physical suffering, the physical pain that Jesus went through. It was separation from God. God, of course, had to turn his back on him, um, and and sort of, yeah, abandon him, if you will. This this is uh, God who would earlier said in, in, in Matthew. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. The relationship that we can probably never never understand. That relationship between God and Jesus, and God had to turn his back on him. It says uh, in two Corinthians chapter five, verse twenty one. I find it God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God this was Jesus dying for us to achieve our forgiveness and I just want to read a few a few more uh, verses from Hebrews that really add some sort of detail if you will to what to what was happening when Jesus died for us when Jesus took our punishment. It says in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 12 to 14, He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean Sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who, though, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God. Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice for us, taking our punishment. And this was needed. As I've said, we, we, God is a holy God we bow down before him we worship him he is holy completely and it says later on in Hebrews in fact the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed by with blood and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness but Jesus shed his blood took our punishment took all the horrible sin on himself so that we could be forgiven and we are forgiven. We have new life with God because of it. So we're forgiven. We're, we're in we're in relationship with God. But of course, we still sin. When you become a Christian, you, you know it's not like you're never ever going to sin again. But there is, thank God, there is ongoing forgiveness. This, of course, is not sort of. A free license to think, okay, I'm a Christian. Whatever I do, God's going to forgive me. So, hey, party, do whatever I want. Of course not. Paul writes about that, I think, in one of his letters. Uh, And it's not free license for us to carry on sinning. But there is ongoing forgiveness from Father God. In 1 John, chapter 2, verse 1, John says, My dear children, so he's talking to us, he's talking to us Christians. He says, My dear children... I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. How amazing is that? God, uh, Jesus Christ, who died for us, is still there. When we get it wrong, He's still there as the one who has paid the penalty, paid the price. And puts a word in for us, if you will, with with Father God, and gives us ongoing forgiveness. Now I don't know about you, but I might know this in my head sometimes that I'm forgiven and that there's ongoing forgiveness. But sometimes, I suppose I can kind of um, get a bit hung up on on the past things that's happened in the past, things I've done. I can get stuck in the past, stuck in my past, sometimes. And I found myself, I have found myself certainly on occasion saying, Oh Lord, I'm still sorry for that thing that I did back however many years ago, this thing. Some things can kind of cling to us. We hold on to them somehow. And it's like we we feel we need to keep saying, I really meant it when I said sorry. I am sorry, I'm still sorry. But you know, in Psalm 103, which is... uh, a well known psalm uh, there's a song about it. it says in psalm hundred three verse ten, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him and this is the bit, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed. Our transgressions from us, He's removed them from us. So I have no right to be thinking that's still me. That's clinging to me. God, when I say sorry for something, God's removed it from me. And I love the way that it says, "It's as far as the east is from the west." God, could, God could have said from the north to the south, but of course, you can get to the north. You get to the north. You're at the North Pole. You're there. You're still a long, long way from the south. The South Pole is right down there at the bottom of the earth. But they're kind of like finite points, if you will, North Pole, South Pole. But if I said to you, I'm going to go to the East, I can go out to, what would it be, China, wherever, and I get there. I'm not in the East, am I? Because when I get there and I ask those Chinese people, where, where is the East? They say, well, out there, that way. Is it America? I don't know. It keeps on going. I can never get to the East. I can never get to the West. There is no East, there is no West. There's so you get what I'm saying? East... That's how far God has removed our sins from us when we say sorry to him. They're no longer ours. Another amazing thing that we we perhaps can't do or don't do is that God is able to for, somehow able to forget about our sins. In Jeremiah 43 it says um, oh, wrong verse sorry It says, For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. God will not remember. He chooses not to remember. And again, in Isaiah, in Isaiah 43, verse 25, he says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions, your transgressions for my own sake, and remembers your sins no more. So when I come along to God and say, Oh Lord, Remember that thing that I did a few years ago and I said sorry for it and God's like, no. <laughs> I don't remember it. That is, that is the stance that I believe that God takes. So I can be wittering away going over stuff that I've done and saying, I'm sorry, and God's like, clean shirt, clean, clean slate. And I sometimes think to myself, perhaps when we get into that cycle of looking at what we've done and, and, and getting our heads down we're thinking about us stuff that I've done and it's not about what I've done it's about what God's done Jesus won our forgiveness so if we get tempted to start looking and getting down and thinking about the past for one thing God's forgotten about it and for another thing it's removed from us and let's think about what Jesus has done not, we've, not what we've done There is wonderful, ongoing forgiveness. And I I must admit, as I was preparing this, and 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 those words came through my mind, wonderful, ongoing forgiveness, I couldn't help but think of a a song uh, by a a guy called John Pantry, who I'm a massive fan of, um, Christian singer-songwriter. And so I just want to read you the words of a song that he wrote called Wonderful Grace. Wonderful Grace... That gives what I don't deserve Pays me what Christ has earned Then lets me go free Wonderful grace that gives me the time to change Washes away the stains that once covered me And all that I have I lay at the feet of the wonderful Saviour who loves me Wonderful love that held in the face of death Breathes in its latest breath Forgiveness for me. Wonderful love whose power can break every chain, giving us life again, setting us free. And all that I have, I lay at the feet of the wonderful Saviour who loves me. So we have this forgiveness from God. When we come to God, when we give Him our life, when He accepts us and He forgives us, but we also have uh, ongoing forgiveness. So that's that's kind of God forgiving us. What about us forgiving other people? That's the other thing I wanted to think about with uh, with forgiveness. Uh, we read in uh, Ephesians. This is a well known uh, well known little passage in Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine. It says, uh, "For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves." It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And this is very much our salvation. It's from God, isn't it? It's nothing we've done. We can't earn it. It's not dependent upon us. We get that, don't we, that it's all that God's done it for us. It's undeserved, and it's not dependent upon our part. And I get that. But then there's this little this little verse in Matthew at the end of the, uh, the Lord's Prayer. And it says, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will your Father will not forgive your sins. And this kind of uh, messed with me a little bit. I thought, well, does it mean it? Is it is it right? Is it true? So, and I don't know. I mean, we've got God's unconditional love and unconditional forgiveness, and yet I've got this verse here telling me that if I don't forgive other people. God's not going to forgive me. No, I don't know. I don't know exactly what that means. I'm just kinda of, it's it's there in my head and I don't fully I don't fully get it. But what it says to me is the very fact that it's there, to me it just underlines how important it is for me to forgive other people. That's the way I look at it. And Jesus said to Peter, didn't he, when, when Peter thought he was being really generous and saying, shall I forgive people seven times, as many as seven times, Jesus said, 70 times seven. In effect, just carry on. Forgive, 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 and don't stop forgiving. <clears throat> That's what Jesus meant. <clears throat> Unlimited forgiveness. It's so important for us to forgive one another and to forgive people. It's important, I believe, for us, ourselves, that we are able to forgive people. God loves us and he wants our best. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it in all its fullness, didn't he? And it's no surprise for me to say to you, I think, if you're living with unforgiveness, if you're carrying unforgiveness around inside you, you know that, that bitterness, that twisting, hey, it's not good for you. And it's not life in all its fullness. If we forgive people, it's so much better. You remember, I'm sure many of you will will have heard of a lady called Corrie Ten Boom, who lived in the uh, Netherlands, in Holland, during the German occupation. And her and her family hid uh, Jewish people and tried to help them escape from the Nazis. And she went through such a horrendous uh, experience. I think she ended up in a coronation, uh, uh, coronation, concentration camp. Um, and lost members of her family and a quote from her she says forgiveness is setting the prisoner sorry (laughs) forgiveness is setting the prisoner free only to find out that the prisoner was me I think that's wonderful when we forgive people we release ourselves we set ourselves free from that unforgiveness that bitterness so I think forgiveness is really important for us But what about for other people? Is it important for other people that we forgive them? Well, of course it is. I think when we forgive people, it's almost like we release them. It's a wonderful gift that we can give to somebody to say, you know what, it doesn't matter. Forget about it. I'm not going to hold it against you. Forget about it. What a wonderful thing that is to do. And, you know, sometimes we might feel like it, sometimes we might not. Sometimes it might feel easier to forgive somebody. Sometimes it might not. But again, another quote from Corrie Ten Boom. She says, "Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart." So I'm not saying it's easy, but we can choose to be forgiving people, and and I'm not gonna, I'm not being silly about this. It's not a, it's not a one size fits all. Some things are massively, massively, massively different. There's a big spectrum, isn't there? It's one thing to say, oh, you've, you banned into me, you spilled my coffee on my shirt, uh, or you, you know, you, you tripped me up accidentally. It's perhaps easy to, to forgive things like that. There's a massive range from horrendous things, both psychologically, physically. There are some, you know, so I'm not being flippant and saying it's so easy for everything. But I'm still saying that perhaps with God's power uh, working in us with his supernatural help, we can choose to be, we can have the mindset that we will be forgiving people. I don't know if you've heard of a lady called, now let me get this right, I think it's Fan Thai Kim Phuc is her name, Not a, doesn't roll off the tongue. But this is the lady, if you remember the picture from the Vietnamese War, the little girl, who'd been in the napalm bombing, and she's running away, screaming, sort of naked, uh, and she became known as the napalm girl. Uh, this was absolutely horrendous, you know, the, the, the burns and the damage. She was in hospital, I think, for about 14 months, had 17 skin grafts at the time, but, I mean, that was only the start of it. She's had ongoing, horrendous sort of medical problems and all the rest of it. She became a Christian um, and she said, my faith in Jesus Christ is what has enabled me to forgive those who had wronged me, no matter how severe those wrongs were. I saw a documentary on her and it was absolutely amazing. She met this airman who was kind of choked up with guilt. I don't think it was the actual pilot or the actual guy that dropped the bomb or even the guy that sent him, but it was somebody that had somehow been involved in it. And she's was there and was able to forgive him and so the the, the release um that he got from that was incredible what a, what a thing to be able to do to that man to say you know I forgive you so just a final thought really um forgiveness is it's a tough it's a tough one uh, but I do think we can um with God's help Choose to hopefully be a forgiving people, and sometimes it might be that we kind of we kind of think, okay, uh, we maybe have to wait a while and we finally the person finally realizes they 've done wrong, they realize how much they 've hurt us, and they finally get around to apologizing and yes okay i 'll forgive you um, you 've apologized i 'll forgive you the, the one final thing I want to say is that in luke um, twenty three we read about Jesus. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. So Jesus Jesus didn't even wait for an apology. Uh, the people he was forgiving didn't say sorry, there was no... No, no, even not even any recognition that they've done anything wrong. But Jesus said, "Father, forgive them." What a what a thing that would be! What a thing that would be for for us to be able to be there, so ready to forgive people that we don't even have to wait for an apology. Someone does something, and in your mind you can think, "I forgive you. I forgive you." Straight away, that person is released. They don't know it yet, but straight away you're released from any bitterness and unforgiveness grabbing hold of you. And you know what? If they later apologise, it's a bonus. And you don't have to think twice about, well, shall I forgive them? You've already done it. You've already forgiven them. Um, so that's just a final thought really. Um, and what I would say is that we live in a world that can, can seem to be full of hatred, can be full of Um, revenge people wanting to get revenge so I just I suppose my challenge is that we as Christians hopefully can be people that are not into revenge not into hatred but we are into love and forgiveness Um, with God's help amen